0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified as we unravel home cooking in a modern world.
1: We're unraveling today, not exploring.
0: Well, I never know which one to say, whether it's unravel or explore, because sometimes it's a little bit of both. How are you going, Paul?
1: I'm a bit unraveled.
0: (laughs) Well, it is Friday. It's
1: a Friday fun one.
0: Woohoo! And I know we haven't done a lot of cooking at the moment, as I explained, I think, earlier in the week, but I do have two little questions for you to start you off, because I know how you love those on the spot during this week we recorded a an episode where i talked about pumpkin and adding oil on the outside of herbs and that was really uh fantastic but one of the things that you mentioned in that was about how to check for temperatures and one of the things that we've just sort of discovered recently is that sometimes food probes in ovens can give off differing senses to what you might think your ovens at
1: well, p- potentially, yeah, yeah, potentially sort of. for those. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've had some feedback from someone that their their food probe. They don't know how to get it to work. It yeah. gives off different temperatures. Yeah, and now they just don't engage it at all in their oven. Yeah, which I think, well, I don't, and I don't know what was wrong, and I have to go around and have yeah. a look. But
1: oh, you're doing home visits now. Well, apparently, because <laughs> you know
0: you're always busy. <laughs> but I said, look, like, I can't. I'm not a chef, but I'll see what I can do. But I just thought. Um, Maybe this is something that you've experienced as well.
1: Yeah. So it's probably becoming a little bit more prevalent now. So a lot of ovens over the past, let's say, eight to eight years. Let's say eight years ago to now. A lot of... How can you term it? Probably... And it's becoming a more standardised feature that you will get a temperature probe included in the oven. Now, that's very distinct from different things that we're going to talk about here, right? Temperature probes that are included in ovens have a single use only, generally. Now, a lot of them will have um, different, what's the best way I can say, Pickup points of temperature across a needle. Generally, they're a needle. There may be sort of eight to six to eight centimetres long and you insert the probe into a protein, right? And the use for that is internal temperature. So level of doneness, medium, medium rare, well done, whatever, right? So you cook something to a desired internal temperature of your liking. What's coming and happening now and is more prevalent and more available and like, I think we've mentioned it before. I have a meter wireless probe. I've worked with other wireless probes as well. Is the probes now are well some probes, I and mean, you can get them wherever are wireless, right? Now they essentially serve two purposes, the same as the original probes that were included in your oven that you plug in somewhere and into connected the cavity. To the oven, yeah, right there, correct. Yeah. So it's a wired needle.
0: Our Bosch one doesn't have that. No, It's called it that technology. Yeah.
1: But I mean, that oven's got to be 10 years old now.
0: I know. And it's still going. Yep.
1: So they do the same task as that, internal temperature reading, but there is also a um, temperature, ambient temperature reading. So it tells you also what the environment temperature is. Now, this is where things are getting a little bit, not confusing, but potentially could be. So. A thermostat in an oven, essentially, let's say we've got a digital screen oven and most of the, most ovens these days have some sort of digital readout. It could be an LED, it could be, you know, it could, all sorts of different things. But most ovens, not yours, but most ovens you dial in the temperature and it comes up as a digital reading and it will have an indicator of when the oven is up to temperature. Now, let's just say, for example, we're cooking something at 180 degrees. Forget the function, doesn't matter. We're cooking something at 180 degrees. So the oven has told us that it's up to temperature and what's happening in, in the oven is, it is get, the heating elements are turning on and off the whole time. So they're cycling, right? And the thermostat is dictating when it turns on and when it turns off. Okay, so an oven, whether you like it or not, when you set it at 180 degrees, is very rarely exactly 180 degrees. Because what happens is, is the thermostat goes, okay, you're about 182, I'm gonna switch off. So it turns the heating element off, and then it drops down to 178, and then it goes, oh, you're getting a bit too cool, I'm gonna switch on. And what it's trying to do is find that perfect medium. Now, a really good oven will have a difference of what we call plus or minus one degree. So a good oven, when you set it at 180 degrees, will be 179, 180, 181. They're the possible temperatures that it could be if the thermostat is a really, really good one. And generally, the higher end ovens will work like that. So you're seeing on your display, on your oven, no matter what sort of oven it is, on the display, you've set 180, it's told you it's there. Okay. And then we're going into roast. But in this scenario, we're going to use a wireless probe so we put our roast in a tray of some description or a roasting dish or a pot or a pan or whatever it might be and we stick our probe in and our probe is telling us that the internal temperature when we start cooking might be six or seven degrees right pretty cold and that's what we're really monitoring but these days what you also get to see is the ambient temperature now that probe let's say in the perfect world scenario isn't touching anything Right. So the end of the probe, which is giving us the ambient temperature reading, is not touching anything. It's not touching the side walls of the oven. It's not touching the, the side of the, the baking tray, the dish, the whatever it is that you're cooking in. And what you will see is that the ambient temperature that your probe is telling you will be different to what your oven is telling you. And it can be different by up to about 20 degrees. So, the probe might tell you that the ambient temperature that you're cooking in is 160. Your oven is saying the ambient temperature is 180. And this is where probably it, yes, it gets a bit confusing. Because the
0: first thing you're going to do is think that one of them's wrong and you'll crank up the oven to get it to 180 if the probe's telling you 160. And of course, Correct. that is the absolute wrong thing to do.
1: Yeah. So,. What you've got to understand is most thermostats in ovens are generally on the back wall of the oven and generally up high. Okay. Now, even when you're using a heating element with movement, let's say fan forced. So you're getting reasonable, even heat distribution throughout the cavity because the air, you've got air movement. Now I've always been a bit advocate of air movement and I think air movement is, or I think movement is a very important factor in all sorts of cooking be it steaming, fan force cooking, sous vide, whatever. Um, Because I think you can get a much more even accurate temperature when you have movement versus still. Now, because the thermostats in ovens generally, and I'm generalizing a lot here, there's no particular brand that does it super different to anyone else, but they're either right in the center of the oven at the top and it will look like a little steel tube sticking out. Right, if you want to have a look in your oven, it will look like and it's in yours. They used to be attached to the side wall of the oven. It was like a little metal oh, yes. wire yes. yeah okay yeah. and that's what's saying to the oven, I'm getting too cold, turn on, I'm getting too hot, turn off right And that's what it's communicating with the heating elements that you've chosen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now what you have to understand is no matter how good your oven is, when you add volume and the tray equals volume. The baking tray equals volume. The dish equals volume. The beef or whatever it is whatever you're it cooking is, yeah. equals volume. And the temperature that is closest, oh, the temperature reading that is closest to that volume, which is in this scenario, the ambient temperature reading of your wireless probe will always be different no matter
0: what. So the method here is not to panic. Don't Just trust, trust what you're being told by both probes, yep. by both elements yep. and let it do its thing. Yep. Do not crank it up. No. Do not think something's wrong. Yeah, It's perfectly okay, if that's the perfectly case.
1: Perfectly okay. Because it will, and it will get better over time, I would imagine, because what will happen is, is more manufacturers will find better locations to put thermostats, and the gap between what an ambient temperature reading on a wireless probe is and what the interface on your oven says, that gap will shrink over time. I have which no will, doubt. Which will
0: take away some of the...
1: Potential confusion that might yes. be coming. Because I know for a fact, and I've done this myself, I know for a fact that when I do a reverse sear eye fillet, which I do often at cooking demonstrations, I want that to cook at about 90 degrees. Now I need, I know I need to set the, the temperature of the oven at about 110. I know I have to set it that bit higher because I want it to cook at 90 degrees. If I set the oven at 90 degrees it would only cook at 70. so i'm really focused in on what temperature i want to cook my item at and two don't get too caught up in they've got a match okay it it matters more at low end so at lower temperatures Mm -hmm. um but if you think for one second that all of those recipes out there that say 180 degrees fan force for your chocolate cake, if you honestly think that your cake's been baked at 180 degrees, you're wrong. It's probably about 165, 170 in a good oven, in the middle shelf with movement. Because whenever you add volume, whenever you open the door, all of those things change what happens inside the oven. So. Even in the scenario that you preheat your oven correctly, we talked about that before. I I have
0: practiced that now. I have adopted that as
1: my yes. So preheating your oven correctly. And that's about getting... So the thermostat doesn't have so many dips, right? Mm. Because we talked about heating the walls of the oven and the cavity. And I still maintain that 20 minutes is about where you need to be for any preheat. Now, it's different with steam. But any preheat of a dry heating function in an oven, 20 minutes is about right. Um, but at the lower end of the temperature scale is where I think there will be a larger difference. Um, but yeah, don't panic. Don't go changing everything. And just remember, whenever you add volume, you change that whole environment, the whole environment. And while the oven may say that it's maintaining at 180 degrees at the thermostat, it is, but that's not where you're cooking your cake. You're cooking your cake two-thirds of the way down in the middle. And so what temperature the cake is actually cooking at and what temperature the thermostat is reading are two very different temperatures. It's just these days, if we put that same scenario in a piece of beef and we have the ability to monitor the ambient temperature, there will be a difference. But just don't go freaking out and changing
0: it. No, exactly. That's rule number one, don't change. Thank you for that. Uh, The other question I wanted to ask was, I think I mentioned that I have a a new uh, foodie crush the Adam Leo Show. Liao. Liao. Sorry, I can't even pronounce his name. Oh yeah. my God, he's never going to invite us on now. And <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm <laughs> uh, doubting it's that's funny. ever going to happen. I know, but uh, anyway, but I was watching it the other night and this lady got on, she was a chef and they were doing sort of desserts and they were doing like minimum quantity desserts.
1: Yep. Was this Bridget?
0: I don't know. Did she do uh,
1: like three ingredient chocolate cake
0: yes two ingredients so i actually and know I, her do you yes well i took i took uh issue with her okay because she said oh i'm making this uh love and it looked great you know the eggs i didn't see it by the, the way. the eggs chocolate it was eggs and chocolate and yeah. she separated the eggs whipped up the egg whites to create that volume melted the chocolate stirred it through and then, and into the chocolate she added the egg yolks yep. while it was warm and then added that mix to the whites yep. and then put it into the baking tray. But she said, I'm making this super healthy dessert. It's sugar-free, gluten-free. And at that point I went, uh, okay, so what is... I know we've talked about this before, but yep. I do not understand why everyone thinks, unless you're allergic to gluten, why is gluten-free healthier? Because gluten's not a bad thing for you. Yeah. As far as I can tell, I'm not a dietitian, but not I've asked mind. my friends who are, yeah. and they don't understand this either necessarily. If you're allergic to gluten, absolutely. It is the pits. It is the worst. And yeah. I do know people who are allergic to gluten and their life is yeah. quite difficult getting that organized. But if you're not allergic and, and really allergic, how is taking gluten out of your diet healthier?
1: You I are asking it. the wrong person. Well, if you know well, her, maybe <coughs> you should ask her. Well, I've, I have met her um, a few times. She and I used to work for the same company. Okay. Um, and she is—I know she is big on uh, the health food. And I, th- I, from memory, she may well be herself gluten intolerant, which is probably what drives her to create sure. the recipes that she does. Um But. Now I'm just guessing it was her because I haven't I didn't see the episode Yeah Yeah. I haven't seen the episode I did see her coming up on an ad and I saw it on her Instagram profile so I don't
0: really know the names Yeah I would suggest that it probably was her
1: Um, Why is is gluten bad? Honestly I don't know So in the scenario that I work well in the situation that I work in when I need to cater for dietary requirements I don't ask why I just do it. No, no. If someone so, says they're allergic yeah. to
0: something, no problem. Yeah. But in a general statement to say, this is sugar-free. Well, it is. And Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah we all agree sometimes too much sugar is no, bad. Agree. Yeah. But I don't understand the gluten unless you are absolutely gluten intolerant. Yeah. Like I know people who are fructose intolerant. I can't eat mushrooms. I know people who are... Yeah you know we all have maybe not all but a lot of us have something that we shy away from mm. but gluten as a, a product as a product yeah i don't i don't see anything oh, I mean, that but says it's bad. A, yeah but it's such so an issue it's no that.
1: different to um, people doing paleo diets or keto or any of those sorts of things you know sure. it's it's
0: is I it mean, a fad i don't
1: know is it like is it do people is it psychosomatic that people feel mm. better because they're not
0: don't know. You know, eating like, it? You know, I don't do know. I have a nut allergy? I get it. Yeah, I get yeah. all that. No, no, I understand that. But to say that a food group, if you're making a healthy dessert but you're excluding gluten, I don't necessarily see those two as...
1: Yeah, yeah. I anyway. honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, very much from my perspective, and like Joel, who we work with, Yes. worked with or worked yeah. with you know one of his
0: yes absolutely children is yes.
1: gluten free now mm-hmm.
0: um yeah that was a lot of testing to determine that they, yeah correct they worked that out yeah and no problem
1: and that affected what well it affected his mood it affected his demeanor totally. it affected yeah. like yeah. his ability to learn it, like all those sorts of things so maybe it does for and, some people have some impact but yeah. I I I don't look at it from the perspective of like... well, I just look at it from a perspective of... That's annoying for me more than anything else. Because if I'm doing a dinner for 15 and there's one person gluten-free... Now, not that I use a lot of... I think any good meal starts with bread. There, I'll say it, right? Like, I can't do a dinner without making bread. That's just... I think... Maybe it's working in French restaurants too long. I don't know, right? But I think a good dinner starts with bread. Always have, always will. And maybe it's just old school thinking. But I also think that like, there is something very comforting about the smell of a fresh bread being baked somewhere mm-hmm. and you get there and it's cut in front of you and yeah. whatever, right? I just... I like the whole idea behind it. Now, in the scenario of the way I work, if I'm doing dinner for 15 people and there's one person gluten-free, then I have to come up with at least what are they going to have in place of bread. Now, I know there's gluten-free breads and stuff like that, but it's they're rubbish, right? And I've tried and tried and I know, tried. I we've tried banana, yeah, flour, all, we've tried all sorts of All things. sorts of stuff. And I still haven't come up... And I've come up with some that you could tolerate and say, yeah, that's okay as a gluten-free bread, but it's just not the same it is just not the same so I I just find it more than anything and the funny thing is is I actually like when I cook and a lot of the way that I cook and a lot of the foods that I cook for let's say the remainder of this dinner will very rarely contain gluten maybe dessert you can leave a few components off but the rest of it generally not right so desserts are pretty easy main course entree whatever is pretty easy um and because not often am I thinking, okay, I'm just going to go straight for the flour for this. Like, it's not something that no, I'm just I... just sort of, Yeah, but...
0: I'd wonder what your thoughts were, because, you know, so I know cooking for a vegetarian or vegan, I get all that. I find I'm-
1: vegans hardest. They're the hardest, because I think when you remove the ability to work with eggs, it's very difficult, because eggs are hugely responsible for a lot of things. Like when you remove eggs and dairy, like that's ve- I find that very difficult. That's, that's the The one that you like me. to
0: cook, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, but I understand that. Yeah. And had she said maybe that it's sugar-free and something else, but when she said it's really healthy because it's gluten-free and sugar-free, I thought, oh, and I thought, well, wow, well, I don't, I don't agree. And no. I thought I oh, wondered what your thoughts were, and we've probably opened a can of worms, but. In oh look! Right? I, I,
1: I, like I just—I really don't have any viewpoint on it. I mean, I would I I think the price of gluten-free food is a bit rich. Like, you know, yes. it's it's very expensive to have. But if it makes people feel like they feel better, then go for it. I don't care. Like, it's fine. It's. I, I'm surprised that it's. It wasn't more prevalent when I was a kid. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm surprised yeah. that, like, because I don't think it's something that you couldn't have found out back in the day. So, but I don't remember any of my parents' friends or anyone that was gluten intolerant. I don't like you wouldn't have seen a loaf of gluten-free bread no. ten years ago.
0: No. Fifteen years ago, no. probably. I know things have changed in the last few years. Yeah, but. Yeah, I just wondered. I, I mean, there thinking. must be
1: some scientific evidence to support the fact that well, I think that we're getting maybe... more and
0: more allergies. There's more yeah. and more, you know, I think we're getting more aware as I well. Mean, yeah.
1: I mean, the first thing I did when my little fellow was old enough was put a teaspoon of peanut butter in his mouth. It was one of the first things that I gave him. Because I thought, if you don't get exposed to it now, mm. you're more likely than not, you're going to end up with a nut allergy. Yeah. Like... Now, was it right, wrong? Who cares? I don't know. Like, well,
0: he didn't uh, suffer. No. So that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. But I... Yeah, so the gluten one, I, I don't know. I, I don't... I've, generally, I have an opinion about everything, Linda. Not I, we... I really don't <laughs> about it's this. Probably... I like, know. Oh,
0: you actually don't. No, no. It's quite surprising for you. No, for me, oh, it
1: really is for me, when I'm catering for any sort of guest event, whatever, vegan is the toughest. When you take away eggs for me, well... Oh, And dairy, like that's making my life hard.
0: Mm. And yet, I've seen some of the exclusions. I don't. Some there are exclusions on a senior catering preferences sometimes, and it's yet definitely vegetarian or pescatarian or vegan. Yeah. Or I don't eat beetroot. I don't eat cauliflower. They're hard because you're like, well, are you? Is it just a preference? I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: I recently hosted an event where we had, I think there was eight guests and three were pescatarians. Okay. So for me, when I'm, you know, I'm, I'm transporting food and equipment and all sorts of stuff to an external venue to do this, for me that night, everyone's pescatarian.
0: Because I've got got, to do four courses
1: and one set of hands.
0: Well, I I should just tell our listeners that the reason you are catering is you're not being a private chef. You're actually trying to use a small group of people and educate them on cooking appliances and cooking techniques and how the appliances all work together to provide this. And so you're doing a a demonstration, but but at a higher, more technical level, to a small group of people. And so you've only got... You know, unless you're going to serve of them, time. yeah, cheese yeah. toasties, which you can't because people are <laughs> gluten free. Yeah. So anyway.
1: But no, uh, yeah. yeah, I yeah, I don't really sort of if that's uh, if that's people's choice and they think it makes no feel no better, different. But I that's took fine.
0: I took issue with her saying it was definitely healthy because it was this, and I thought no. You can say it's that. You can say this is one of the... It's gluten-free yeah. and it's oh, sugar. So your, so your point is it's broad. not
1: necessarily healthier because it's gluten-free. No. She yeah. could
0: have just said, this is a gluten-free, sugar-free dessert that might suit a lot of people. Yeah. I would have been going, okay, I'll listen. But defer... And it might have just been a slip of the tongue. Yeah. But I thought, she's actually a chef. This is not just a home cook. Yeah. Not knowing. Yeah. But when she's a chef, I kind of hold her to your standards. And you know a lot of things.
1: Yeah. But... I don't know much about gluten I know how how it works yes you need to know how it works for when you're making a really nice crispy crunchy sourdough
0: yeah (laughs) imagine that I know you can't eat some shellfish but imagine you couldn't eat no Oh, just no
1: it's not worth living <laughs> no bread no butter Say hello.
0: <laughs>
1: that's it just put me in the box just rolling my toes up there yeah.
0: well thank you for that paul thank yeah. you for that and a happy weekend everybody and uh happy cooking over the weekend eat
1: some gluten you'll be right
0: uh, or, or not <laughs> or not it's your choice but uh anyway it is it's your choice it is your choice yeah so take care, everybody happy cooking bye see ya Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe, and for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com.